Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Alright, I think let's let's set this next twin story up here. Let's because I think Rami's a little I love when Rami gets to be uh, introduced to Minnesota sports things here. Mm-hmm. It's like every couple days we get to peel back a layer and right. sort of let you in on Minnesota sports things. I love it. I like new. to learn. You so, should never stop learning. Read an anecdote. Let's have Rami read the anecdote right. and then Judd and I can fill the the backstory in here. This is from the Athletic? Yeah, this was uh Dan Hayes. Okay. Talking about well I'll just give you the title of the article. Months later, Paul Molitor isn't writing off a return to baseball or the Twins. And I start reading this thing, and much to my surprise, like I, I had to go back and read it because I, you know, sometimes you you feel like, did I miss something? Did I, I did I lose focus yeah, last paragraph? We'll help you. <laughs> I was like, Paul Molitor isn't at Twins camp. He's a, he just got fired by the Twins. He couldn't be at <laughs> Twins camp already. But sure enough, there's Paul Molitor with his son visiting Twins camp after getting fired by the team, along with his twelve year old son. Just six months after he was fired. And he says, it feels a little different, but I wouldn't necessarily say in a bad way. Derek Falvey and Thad Levine have both been very open-minded about if we can work something out. I think they know that I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a different pace this summer. Other than the first year when I retired, there hasn't been many summers where I've had flexibility to do things, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. And then he says, when it first happens, talking about the firing, you have a tendency to kind of, the emotion plays a larger role in maybe how you look at it. Over time, you can kind of understand better of what their thought process was behind where they want to go and just kind of how the game is transitioning in that way and the long term of this team. And yeah, I don't feel it was personal at all, and I haven't held on to any grudge about that. I would not say it's been hard. It's a change but I've had since early October to settle into the mindset that this was going to be a spring where I was going to have a hand on this team. Yeah. So two things real quick. Uh, a, bravo Paul Molitor for not holding a grudge. Uh, life is short. You might as well live your life. Is he right? the most well-adjusted human being in the history of human beings? He's a he's very zen. Yeah. He's he, very zen. Yeah, he's kind of like... Live and let live guy. Yep. Uh, but but secondly, this is a very twins thing, Judd. Where he sat down so, with Rocco Baldelli. Yeah, he was in Rocco the Baldelli's. Guy who just o- took his job. He was in his office. He went. In, he he. So the, the Star Tribune story that came out yesterday documented how he called the twins and said, "My son wants to come down to spring training. I'm going to bring him him down." But you've just been fired. So like, let's say you've been fired from the Phillies, right? You'd probably steer clear of the Phillies camp, and you might go see Toronto or something. I don't know. But anyway. 
So Paul calls the twins and says, I'm coming down. He not only comes down, he goes into the clubhouse, talks to guys, goes into Rocco's office, talks to Rocco, and evidently cross paths with Falvey, you know, very cordial. And and if this was just like a one-time thing, I'd, I'd be like, oh, that's intriguing, and I guess it's sort of weird, but I get it. But as Phil just said, this is not a one-time thing. No. This is a very twins thing, and I'm trying to think of any other organization, either in town or outside, that I've read about where it's just commonplace to get bounced. Oh, yeah. and, the, and the next thing you know, you're showing up and slapping guys on the back, and everything's just fine. It's amazing. So over the last 10 years or so, there's been a handful of managerial and and now uh, front office examples, too. Bill Smith. Took over. Bill Smith worked for the Twins for thirty plus years, mm-hmm. and and he was sort of Terry Ryan's admin, uh, right hand man for a long time behind the scenes. Terry Ryan stepped away as GM in two thousand seven, and Bill Smith gets the job. His first month out of the gate is you're the GM. You got to trade Johan Santana this winter, and uh, and so Bill was under the microscope for four years. The team went into the toilet. The team lost ninety nine games in two thousand eleven. And Bill was let go as general manager. But they found a way. Let's keep you in the organization, and you'll oversee the the construction of the Hammond Stadium remodel in Fort Myers. Like, it was like he, they lost 99 games. He got fired as GM, and they kept him in the organization. Like, very twins thing. Terry Ryan gets let go as general manager a couple summers ago, two and a half years ago. And, a few weeks later, maybe I think he was back because he got picked up by the Phillies as a scout, as a uh, an assistant to the GM, and he's hanging out in the Twins press box and like yeah. Ron Gardenhire, same thing, comes back for the hey, Gardy, what's Joe going Mauer on? Yeah. stuff, and it's it's. Would you guys be able to do that? No, no, probably not. I don't. I I would need Honestly, a minute. I would need a minute. I'd need more than what Paul Molitor. Now, if we parted on completely amicable terms, I guess maybe. But if they but, fired but you for performance, Paul Molitor, Paul Molitor, let's take Paul's situation, okay? Paul Molitor gets this job, and and then they bring in new guys a, a year in, correct, or two years in. So then Paul has this team in July. Now, they were slumping at the time, but they were still very much in contention in a division and playoff race where where they could hang around. The new guys trade at least two key players out from underneath Paul. The team gets hot and makes the playoffs, at which point Paul gets a three-year extension. All right? So then, good for Paul, gets the extension. They come back, have a disappointing year, and he gets fired. But basically, everything Paul knows about these guys is is when the team was in contention, they tried to trade away his players. And then he got one out of three years, a year after having an overachieving season, and got fired. So to answer Phil's question of those, if I then could say to myself, I just got fired by them. What am I going to do this spring? I'm going to take my 12-year-old boy and we're going to go down to spring training of the team that just fired me? No, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I don't Sorry. know. I And I, I'm not even ripping Paul because I think it's admirable. I actually admire... Like I said, that's, really, that's some really good perspective could that you he do has it? there. No, that's what I'm me saying. Neither. I'm not that well-adjusted. Me neither. I'm not that mentally healthy a human being <laughs> as Paul Molitor is, I guess. I don't know. But wouldn't you take it personally? Like, I would take yes. everything they did personally. Yeah. Can yeah. you read his quotes again? Do you still have the story yeah, up? Yeah, I do. The first ones I read or the, the second Where ones he I talks read? about how, yeah, I can kind of see where they're going with this. And so they let him go. Let's just be blunt. 
because he wasn't good enough at picking up the analytics stuff from a communication standpoint, right? I mean, yeah. in fact, in fact, we're going to play some audio from the Glenn Perkins Pardon show, him. which debuted today in, a, in just a little bit. Ryan Presley just signed a two-year, $17.5 million contract with the Houston Astros. Ryan Presley, in 26 games with the Astros last year, had a .77 ERA and struck out 32 batters in 23 innings, only putting 11 guys, uh, let's see, 14 guys on base. Like, he was untouchable with the Astros, and it wasn't a fluke because the Astros found a couple things. Let's throw your curveball more, and, and after that, that run by him, the Twins were asked about it, and they said, well, we've been telling him to throw his curveball. Front office knows that this is the case, and it's like, what's, what's the missing link in the communication? And I think Paul Molitor took the fall specifically because of maybe not the only reason was Ryan Presley, but the front office is like, dude, we know he should throw more curveballs. Why is that not getting communicated? Right. And so like, they basically went to Paul and said, you're not a good enough communicator as a manager. You're fired. And... His perspective from Twins camp was... When it first happens, you have a tendency to kind of... The emotion plays a larger role in maybe how you look at it. Over time, you can kind of understand better of what their thought process was behind where they want to go and just kind of how the game is transitioning in that way and the long term of this team. And yeah, I don't feel it was personal at all, and I haven't held on to any grudge about that. Then he goes on to say, I would not say it's been hard, it's a change, but I've had since early October to settle into the mindset that this was not going to be a spring where I was going to have a hand on this team. Yeah. Wow. That's but, amazing. But this amazing does, perspective. But this does go back to the Twins as a whole, and the fact that you have all of these guys who have been canned and sacked and fired in various forms. I'm just, who? Okay, who's the last no, notable firing? So not trade. Who's the last... Notable twins firing who you can think of went out the door, actually upset, and never came back. When you talk about manager level, right? I'm yes, or above, above right? Because yeah. I'm sure right. there's been some coaches. Oh, yeah, no, been, no, and not trainers. No, uh, none, manager on a none because Tom Kelly didn't get fired, right? And that goes back to 1987 when he took the job. Yeah, so it's been Tom Kelly, Ron Gardenhire, Paul Mall. There's only they've only had four managers since 1987. and Garden hire, not on bad terms. Mm-mm. Molitor, not on bad terms. Terry Ryan, not on bad terms. Andy McPhail, they told, not on bad terms. They told Terry. They told Terry in what June of the hundred three last season, we're gonna make a change eventually. But but it's fine if you stay in the job. And it was in July that Terry finally said, "Fire me now." Just I'm, I'm no, good. He called, Terry, no, but Terry yeah. Ryan called the shot on his firing. It's a, it's, it is, and I, it sounds like I think it sounds like we're. Ri- I'm not. I'm no. I'm, I'm not ripping them. It's actually amazing that they put together this no, culture this, where like it's just kind of a pat on the back and hey, we're going to go into. But it's direction. odd. Yeah. It's a skill. Like, do you guys have any friends who are still who are like friends with all their exes? Like, it's 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 amazing, and I don't know how it's yeah. done, but God bless them. Who actually, knows? Wetmore texts in. This is a good example. And is he that guy who's still friends with all his exes? <laughs> Wetmore is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Doug Mankiewicz, it's a minor league manager, but Doug Mankiewicz was furious okay. when they didn't when they didn't promote him to uh, a major league coaching job and when they didn't extend his contract. So, But when you have to search that long and hard for people to be mad, it's pretty amazing. Uh, on Ryan Presley, mm-hmm. so today, two things. We'll play this audio, but uh, the Glenn Perkins Show debuted on Score North today. If you missed it, You'll be able to find it anywhere you find podcasts in the Score North Twins Shows feed. So just search Score North Twins Shows. You'll find the Glenn Perkins Show. You'll find Touch Em All, which includes myself, Derek Wetmore, Rami Maklov, 
Manny Hill. We're going to have Judd part of that throughout the season. And uh, five thoughts. We have another baseball show we're going to announce, too, as part of that feed before the season starts. So we're it's the best twin shows you're going to find. I don't think you're going to find five twin shows a week anywhere in town, and we're doing that. And you'll be able to hear the Glenn Perkins show starting in April every single Thursday at 1 o'clock on Score North. But this is what he had to say. And we we talked about Ryan Presley. We taped this before the contract was announced. So this is just his thoughts on the Twins pitching philosophies and and why Ryan Presley, the change in what he was with the Twins and then to the Astros. Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, and it's it goes back to like, you know, look at like a pregame, you know, keys to the game. Establish your fastball. Sometimes you don't have to establish your fastball when you throw a curveball that can't be hit. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think that, um, and, and that's like I, I wish mm. on a show like this I could show you the the text message conversations that I had with Ryan Presley when I was injured down in Florida and watching games on TV and saying, "Quit throwing that and throw this instead." Like every time you throw a curveball, it, it's it's a swing and a miss or a check swing or maybe they foul it off. Or they, they, they offer at it, but they don't swing. But like you can tell that they're like thinking it's like you don't need to set that up. That's not a pitch that you like. What you can do with that is throw that three times and get to a one two count and then throw a fastball right down the middle. That's 97. Yeah. And, and the guy can't hit it. It's yeah. a good point. You talk so much about got to set up the breaking ball. But if you just throw a breaking ball that no one can touch, then just throw the breaking ball. So why didn't that happen? I come Com- back to communication. Communication. The, tw- the the twins had all the information. Yeah, and it was like Presley maybe was told, but it didn't sink in. But, but he a, was told the same thing when the Astros, and it sunk in. That's. But is that a Garvin Alston thing? Is that a, a Molitor thing? Is that front office interpretation? Is that catchy? Like if you're if you've got a pit if if a guy who knows the game as well as Glenn does is watching on TV in Florida and texting him. This isn't like, uh, you should have done this. Clearly, he was t- telling him at the moment, next time you go to the mound, do this. Yeah. That's a weird... That's how managers get fired. Sure. But it's just, it's not like the Astros uncovered something the Twins didn't know about. Correct. It's very odd. Yeah. If, like, to, if, for that to get lost. It, to me, it just feels like, all right, this is the information. This is the player. How does the information get to the player? And if it's not... You got to figure out why it's not. And we were just talking about an article a couple of weeks ago on the show about how they they've restructured everything and brought in new people to improve that communication and to have the the right conduit from the analytics and everything in between that that and when it finally gets to the players. This is going to sound crazy, but if Jason Castro doesn't get hurt because he he's a good catcher, if Jason Castro doesn't get hurt and and is able to play a role. In running the pitching staff, is that different then? Maybe. Because Garver really is not that good a defensive catcher. I would guess that if a catcher who's who's really good defensively went to you and said, okay, I know how to call pitches here, and and you need to do this more, mm-hmm. that the pitcher's going to at least listen. And he who, might say no, but he's going to listen. And who would you rather be paying $8 million to this year, Addison Reed or Ryan Presley, right? And the, uh, that's not going to be tough. <laughs> but... And now the, the the hope here for the Twins is that, okay, they've got who they want in place. They've got the information that they need to squeeze things out of players like Ryan Presley. Maybe they apply it to Trevor May now. Maybe they apply it to some of these other relievers. Gentlemen, it's Wednesday. It's five, uh, almost 520. 
in other news. There we go. Let's go. It's coming up. Let's do this. When we come back. In other news. Yeah, it's midweek on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Time to take a break from the hard-hitting sports talk and get to hard-hitting stories elsewhere in the world of news. And in other news, thank you, big voice guy. This, uh... <laughs> so the MIT Technology Review, they, okay. they ran a study to basically prove that all hipsters look alike. They call it, <laughs> oh, I think, I think they I've call it the hipster story. effect, which studied how nonconformists usually act unconventionally in the same way to end up being exactly the same. Yeah. And quote, what the study found essentially was that when a group of people decide to be different to do something nonconforming, there comes a point where they all end up adopting the same behavior, the same style. Gideon Lynch, editor in chief of MIT Technology Review, told NPR. While the study proves this theory, so does accidentally thinking the edited photo at the top of the story, which featured a man in a plaid, short, plaid shirt with a beanie, is of yourself. Right after the article was published, MIT Technology Review promptly received an email from someone who claimed he was the man in the photo and hadn't given his consent. He said, you guys used a heavily edited Getty image of me for your recent bit of clickbait about why hipsters all look the same. It's a poorly written and insulting article and somewhat ironically about five years too late <laughs> to be as desperately, desperately relevant as it's attempting to be by using a t- tired cultural trope to try to spruce up an otherwise disturbing study. Your lack of basic journalistic ethics and both the manner in which you reported this uncredited nonsense and the slanderous unnecessary use of my picture without permission demands a response and i am of course pursuing legal action so let me guess okay i don't i don't think i have seen the photo Uh but i think i can tell you what hipsters are probably wearing okay so take a shot at it beard for sure yes he has a beard okay Mm -hmm. hold on Okay, you you already said beanie, right? Uh, yes, knit okay. beanie. Yeah, uh, dark jeans. I can't see the jeans in the picture, but it's a likelihood. And it has to be some sort of either plaid or flannel shirt. It's a plaid shirt yes. with prints on it. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty much everything in Northeast Minneapolis, which is my neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm very guilty of you'll see me wearing all of these things, and I am very guilty. I lived in, in Bayview, which is hipster central in Milwaukee. Yeah, I, call, yeah. I called it the Austin, Texas of Milwaukee yeah. in, one of my, in one of my jokes. And everybody, everybody in the neighborhood looked exactly the same. I don't know how anybody told anyone apart. And somehow the longer I lived there, like... And you just become it. Like I, I became more and more. So you morphed into it. Yes, you, you all. It's like swallows you up. You almost can't. You yeah. almost can't escape the lure of hipsterdom. Yeah, the, the whole, the whole point of being a hipster is that you're different, right? right? But then you're exactly like everyone else. It's like, like oh, I'm going to be different. I'm going to dress goth. Well, there's 10 million people who dress goth, so you're not really like just because you have one of those super wide uh, circle piercings in your ear doesn't make you that different. Oh, that's pretty good. I will say this though. Something about hipsters, they love to give you a good meal at a fair price. For sure. A really good meal at a fair price. Can of hams, can of PBR for mm-hmm. five bucks. Lots of yeah. food, though, or not not No, lots food. of food. Yeah. yeah, the best restaurants really? that you're okay. going to find are in hipster right. neighborhoods. Okay. Yep. All right. Judley? Or do you want me to go? <clears throat> I can go. Okay. 
In Slovenia, an unnamed 21-year-old woman and a 29-year-old relative were arrested for insurance fraud, police announced on March 11th, after the young woman cut off her hand in order to collect almost 400,000 euros in insurance payments. What? Two other... Hold on, say that again. After the young woman, who Uh is 21, cut off her hand in order to collect almost 400,000 euros in insurance payments. What? I need to translate that. Two other... uh, Relatives of hers were released in the case. The four had recently signed up with five different insurance companies for life and injury uh, coverage. Quote, with one of her accomplices, she intentionally amputated the hand at the wrist with a circular saw. Oh, my God. Hoping to stage it as an accident, a police spokesman told the Daily Mail. No, dude. The group, it gets better. It gets better. No. The group, the group left the hand behind when they went to the hospital, intending to ensure a permanent disability, said police. But doctors at the medical center were able to return. Retrieve and reattach it. The woman and her accomplice face up to eight years in prison. Mm. She amputated her own hand and they were hoping to lose it to get all of the insurance. She was caught one handed. (laughs) Thank you. That's it for me. Would you take that to the stage? (laughs) You can show yourself out. Really, Rami? I'm sorry. Okay, no excuse for that. I'm sorry. I have no excuse for that. I just stand-up comedy did that (laughs) on air. How about that, though? How about that circular saw? I I have questions. I have questions. Oh, my God. So this this does translate to to almost a half million dollars. Let's let's go American dollars here. So Mm -hmm. 400,000 euros is about 450,000 American dollars. Yep. So for a half million dollars. Yep. I'm going to assume that. None of us are cutting our hand no. off unless there's nah. any takers. No, no. <laughs> would you? Would you cut a finger off? No, a toe. Maybe a toe. But you have to cut it off. I have to cut it off myself. Yes, because she thought, did, right? What, but I thought you're okay. So if you're going to cut a toe off, you'd probably cut your little toe off. But I thought that somehow helped maintain balance as well. That's the big toe. That's the big toe. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing your big toe has more to do with balance than your yes. little toe. Yes. Okay. Do you need how how absolutely imperative is your little toe? You can get by without it. That's a pretty big payday. <laughs> and I wouldn't get caught? No, you wouldn't get caught. To so me, I, I, I get it. To me, I don't think the hardest part would be living without the little toe. I, I, I don't I don't think I'd think often about unless, you know, when I looked down and saw my toe was gone, I wouldn't I don't think I'd give it a second thought. The hardest part would be the actual cutting off of your own toe. And then not getting caught, and then so not that getting you get caught. the money, right. right? But Phil just assured me I wouldn't be caught. So and I can't just fall to it. There's no Rami just involved. said it would be cutting. You have to it give me a lot of alcohol to cut it off myself. Alcohol? I think you need, <laughs> more, than I need more than alcohol. I think you need more than alcohol. Well, have you guys ever seen some of these old Civil War documentaries? I mean, they, that's what they would do, right? Right. All right, we're gonna amputate this soldier's leg from the knee down, and it's not. There's no. Yeah, anesthetics. Just, yeah, you take up the hospital. Yeah, your anesthetics that. is like whiskey. They have to do that on The Walking Dead. If a zombie bites your arm, you have to get rid of the arm before the zombie virus gets into your bloodstream, or you turn zombie. Jesus, I have not seen The Walking Dead. That's how. <laughs> but how did they? After like how did this group get this one twenty-one-year-old to agree to this? Is my question. It's like if you're talking about this plan, I'm not going to be like, "Oh, I'll do it." Yeah, who else had a hand? In this? I'd be like, <laughs> Rami. Oh, wow. Wow, comedy clubs are calling right now, canceling. 
Don't bother. <laughs> don't bother showing up at our club tonight. We won't be putting you on. Gosh. He's going to be playing church basements before he knows it. Hey, can I do some comedy before your mass starts? He's not even a dad and he's dropping the dad jokes. Jesus. I like Jonathan just coming up strong. And I want to know, what's your cut? In other news. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> from sky.com I don't know how we even topped that last one but we're going to throw a few more out here the world's number one bridge player has been banned after failing a drug test bridge we're talking about <laughs> what? the card game Yeah. yeah. Norwegian uh, I believe it's pronounced Jer Helgamo was handed a one-year ban after testing positive for synthetic testosterone and a female fertility drug at a bridge competition what? last year. Yes. What? He will not be able to compete in events until November 2020 and has also had all titles, medals, and points from the 2018 World Bridge oh, Series event revoked. They took down the banners. They did. <laughs> oh, no. The World Bridge Federation is recognized by the International Olympic Committee and must follow World Anti-Doping Agency rules. What? What do you need steroids for to compete in bridge? Why are you being tested? I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. know. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what bridge is. Like, I've heard, is it a card game? They actually explain it in the next sentence. Okay. Bridge is a card game which usually involves four players sat around a table. So what? Who's <laughs> testing? What know. is this dude, like, slamming cards down on the table? Like, <laughs> bam! Like... Just going, like, straight through the table? And he must be ripped, too. Yeah. It's like, you're an impressive bridge player. I mean, is it possible that he's on... It, it, let me see. What what was he on again? He was on um, uh, synthetic testosterone. <laughs> is it possible he just wants to look good for the ladies on a Saturday night? Okay. And it has nothing to do with his bridge career? Sure. And for some inexplicable reason... The Bridge Federation is overseen by the Olympic drug testing. Like Judd said, I want to. I want to know why this is even subject to, to PED testing to play bridge. It is hilarious. Like Barry Bonds can hit almost eight hundred home runs, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Yeah!" And like Bridge guy can't even can't even pop a couple of steroids. Does Bridge know? go on for a super long time? And and synthetic testosterone helps you stay up longer to compete in the competitions. I mean, is there any is there any link that would Help you? Were these PETs the ace up his sleeve? I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, hold on a second. I'm going to call your old station in There's Milwaukee. Be a suspension coming, right? This is just this is unacceptable. Ace I'm the, sorry. Ace up his sleeve. Was I'm pretty, sorry, guys. I I have I have. A little bit for that one. This is like when you're in third grade and there's one funny joke and then everyone tries to be funny. I used to think collars puns were aggressive on this show. <laughs> There's no excuse for this behavior. There isn't. There just is no excuse. For People are calling right now. Comedy <laughs> clubs are calling, trying to cancel you. Yeah, that's Acme right now. Don't show. Up, don't even show up for the open mic nights anymore, dude. You walk in. There's a big picture of Rami. This oh, man no. will not do comedy here. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did we do the sounder already? Is it my turn again? Ooh, okay. Uh, a man has recently captured the odd moment of a woman becoming so offended. That his dog had humped her dog that she called the police for backup. 
It happened in a Massachusetts park. The woman, nicknamed Dog Park Diane by viewers online, can be heard talking with officers attempting to report a crime. The crime... A dog was humping her dog. Franklin Baxley, 42, the owner of the owner of the humping dog, can be heard asking, why are you calling the cops right now? Because I told you I wasn't leaving the park because my dog humped your dog? <laughs> Baxley alleges that the woman decided to call the cops after his dog, quote, assaulted hers in what she believed to be a, quote, aggressive hump. Baxley then assisted, insisted that he pull his dog away immediately, but the two humans ended up in a heated back and forth after the woman asked him to leave the park. According to Mail Online, Baxley refused, and believe it or not, it was not just the two of them voicing their concerns aloud. Another person at the park could be heard saying, that's inappropriate for the dog park. <laughs> no, it's not. That is exactly what happens at a dog park. Was it consensual? <laughs> They're dogs. They don't understand consent. I just got... All bets are off at the dog park, man. This is an unleashed environment. I just got an idea. An unleashed environment. There it is. <laughs> that was awful. This just that hit me, the though. One yet. Bolt of lightning moment. The four of us, the newest restaurant downtown... The humping dog. <laughs> Actually, the humping dog is probably the next brewery name. Does right? that not so, does that not like, sound like right something in. that you if would someone, start that here? That is a brewery. If someone told you that oh, there's a new brewery downtown St. Paul, the it's called dog. the humping dog. Yes, you would I... be like, oh yeah, for sure. And they could have their specialty beers: bulldog, stray dog, humping dog. It's all in the same family. Man. In other news. Oh man. <laughs> The segment's still going. All this right, one's cool. also from Sky.com. Uh-huh. Uh, UK coming through for us here. <laughs> a 104-year-old woman has checked yet another item off of her bucket list after being arrested by police. What? That's right. Annie, hmm. Annie Brokenbrow. Annie Brokenbrow. That's a British that's a, name. Yeah. Who has never fallen foul of the law. Cheekily grinned as officers detained her inside of a nursing home and bundled her into a waiting police car. She had re- uh, she had revealed her desire to be arrested as part of a charity scheme where residents write down that they want uh, what they want most uh, before they were to pass away. She said, "My wish is to be arrested. I'm 104 and I've never been on the wrong side of the law. If you were 104 years old, what would you try to check off your bucket list?" She wanted to be arrested. Not being arrested. Annie Brokenbrow. So wait, so she, this is, but she did nothing wrong. She just got her wish. She just wanted to be arrested before she dies. Mike Illich wanted to win a World Series before yeah, he died. I didn't make it. This woman wanted to she spend didn't some do time anything? in the back of a police no, car. No, she no. wrote down and they granted her her wish. Annie, who has dementia, was put in handcuffs by a couple police officers before being taken for a drive by the officer. I think they should have let her commit a crime. I would think if you have dementia and you're... This, Taking a ride in the police car, going a good like ten minutes into the drive, is it possible that you would wonder think, what you did? I don't know. Probably, yeah. Okay, I would think so. I'm disappointed though because I thought when, when you started the story that she really got arrested for something. I was hoping she like it beat up an old man or something at the nursing home. Speaking of old men and dementia, Patrick Rice is going to join us. <laughs> we go back. To, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Save your emails. About most of it. No. All right. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota for just a brief moment. That was in other news, by the way. And uh, that would be uh, at Rami is tweeting if you want to tweet him your terrible puns and make him suffer. But Luther Brookdale Toyota 
I is deserve it. the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. And uh, they're helping you get through this pothole season. They're helping you. Like this this morning, I think uh, on my drive, they put a cone in front of one of them. That's good. So now I'm just going to, I'm going to hit the cone and then go into a pothole because it's because you get boxed in. But if you hit a pothole and uh, you think you're safe because, all right, there's no glass shattered from the rattling, but my tires are still attached. There might be some unforeseen hidden damage. So if you just want to be safe, take it into the best service department in the Twin Cities, corner of 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther Brookdale Toyota. Go say hi to my friend Steve and uh, he'll point you in the right direction there. You can also stop by the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We wrap with Royce next. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, we have Twins tickets to give away. We're giving away Twins tickets at random on our show every single day this week to the home opener next Thursday. And and speaking to the home opener, we're going to be live all day long from 12 o'clock noon until 6 o'clock at Kieran's, just down the street from Target Field on Thursday for opening day, having a good time. And hanging out, so come up, introduce yourself, or uh, come insult us and make fun of us, whatever you want. But the trivia question is, and we're going to bring Royce in here too. Royce, wait like 10 seconds to give your answer, just so we can All get right. people to call first. But 651-646-8255, first person to call with the correct answer. Which Twins pitcher in team history has given up the most home runs? We uh, did that for Caller Show. Oh, you did? Yeah. That was the what? same trivia question for Caller Show. What? Yes. <laughs> I literally just I'm not even right kidding. <laughs> that is the same one, yeah. All right, who's... <laughs> who's second? Who's second? Who, who's second? Who's second, okay? All right. Who's second on that list? That's amazing. Yeah. Brad when Radke Bert is number first, one. Radke is number one. Oh, I shouldn't have said Bert then. Maybe Jim Todd. I don't know. Well, maybe, uh, maybe Bert, someone we've Bert, never heard of. Who knows? I, 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 okay. Yeah, okay. Well, how about <laughs> Fernando Romero? Oof. Just keep throwing names out, Pat, to throw yeah. people off the trail. <laughs> as many as you can. Him. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, yes, I wonder if Fernando was pretty much uh, written in in bold ink for the uh, bullpen. And now, uh, last time out, he walked everybody. He didn't get an out. And today, he came in and uh, threw up and uh, gave away a game in which the Twins had played very well. So, I'm wondering... You know, it's not exactly like he's an established big league pitcher, and they do have a few extra bodies for the bullpen, so he might be pitching himself back to another little stint in Rochester. Although they don't make many decisions on position-wise, they don't make many decisions based on what they see here, but I think pitching-wise at the fringe, you know, at the bottom there, they might say. Two-thirds of an inning, three hits, two walks, four runs all earned. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, and that, that's added to uh, zero outs, five uh, five runs, four earned last time. So uh, that's eight runs and two-thirds of an inning. Uh, you know, I, I don't even think Jason Marquis, what was Marquis? Uh, Jason Marquis's, uh wasn't even that bad, was he? He was yeah. in in the in the spring training session, or because his regular season yeah. was a disaster. Eight wasn't it? Eight something. Yeah, I was trying to come up with the the equivalent of the Mendoza line for pitching. Okay, the other day, and uh, and uh, then I ended up backing off that and coming up with uh, some other uh, point of ridicule. But he was one of the guys nominated for the. The line, you know, the Mendoza line as far as pitching, the Marquise line, but uh, Marquise. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, we didn't uh, we, we didn't go with that anyway. So anyway, they played pretty good until then, and uh, 
uh, uh, Scope hit a home run. I was we were talking to Falby today, and he's a big second baseman and does not look like he's moving. But according to uh, Falby, the range statistics on him are, are are you know plus side. They're they're very good, satisfactory. So uh, I, I don't know. That, he, he's a, he's an interesting uh, character, don't you think? As far as uh, you know, two years ago, all star. Last year, horrible. So uh, it's, it's it's an interesting situation as whether he can be their second baseman or not if they can survive with him. Pat, what we what do you make of so Paul Molitor came to uh, Hammond Stadium yesterday and yeah, and he said couple of days ago and then he was back today uh, watching ball with his kid. So no hard feelings, etc. How is it that the Twins for the last ten or fifteen years with all the, the whether it's Garden Hire who got let go and Molitor let go and Terry Ryan, Bill Smith. It's always amicable to the point where they come back a few months later and, you know, it's unlike any other well, Gardy, organization. Gardy was a little more explainable because it was the same organization that had fired him, right? He was walking back and talk, meeting the same guys. Uh, Molitor uh, did uh, make, uh, he only talked to us for about eight minutes. He didn't even want to do it. And Dustin talked him into it because everybody was trying to do uh, Dustin Morris talked him into it because everybody was trying to get him. But uh, uh, he, uh, you know, he got fired by pretty much strangers, and uh, and he's now around even more strangers. So he, he, it's not like he's hanging around, you know. He's just there trying to hide up in the press box with his uh, 12-year-old son watching baseball. So, But you're right. I think there were hard feelings at first. In fact, I knew, uh, you know, he went in there. He, did, he was surprised. He did not think he was going to get fired. I, he didn't tell us that. Friends of his told me that. And... Uh, you know, he he uh, he was surprised by it and a little upset by it and couldn't quite figure it out because they won seventy eight games with what was basically a train wreck at times. Uh, but uh, he's obviously recovered from it, and he's not going to do anything for them this year. But maybe by next year they'll have something figured out for him to. Uh, I, I don't know what. I don't. I don't think he wants to go back to being a minor league instructor. So I, I don't know what it would be. Pat, going back to Jonathan Scope, doesn't it? Not to say that, that he is the guy that he was in 2017, but doesn't it kind of make sense, the struggles that he had last year, having an injury and then going to a team in the middle of a pennant race, trying to recover from that injury, and then losing his job when they go and trade for another player? It's hard for a guy to, to put together a strong season when all that happens over the course of six months, isn't it? Well, I would, yeah, that's the excuse they're offering him, and, uh, you know, it might be a valid one. Let's find out. He's either on the downhill slide or uh, he just had an off year because of this, the circumstances you just, uh, uh, you know. As, I, as I've been saying, this team's a mystery to me. I, I can't really uh, tell you what, what I think's happening, but, uh, you know, if he turns out to be the player he was in Baltimore two years ago, yippee, and, uh, yes, he deserved those excuses if he. If he's on the downhill slide and hits 235 and uh, doesn't doesn't uh, play uh, more than an average second base, then you know I I don't know. That's the great thing about that's the great thing about being a week from the opener and you don't know what the heck's going to happen. It's uh, and that the only thing we got going here is that when we think they stink, they're good. When they when we think they're good, they stink. Uh, and right now we don't have any idea uh, what they are. So hey, Pat. It's, uh, Yes. Box score today, Ostadio, three for four, drove in two yeah. runs. He started catcher, and then he moved to second base. Wow. God bless this guy. 
And, uh, by the way, uh, the first two RBI singles, two pitches. Uh, God bless me more. Um, two pitches. And then uh, the third time up, they, they were afraid to challenge him. And uh, he, uh, so he got to a 2-0 count and then hit a double. And uh, with nobody, he was stranded uh, on second base. Uh, but uh, he hit a rocket down in the left field corner. So, yeah, he's on the club. Don't worry about it. I have now been assured he's on the team. So we can all okay. relax. All right. We can all relax. Okay. Even Tyler, they're trying to figure out how to keep Tyler Austin, but it's not going to be at the expense of Ostadio. Good, because I don't have to boycott now. I, I'm not boycotting over <laughs> Tyler Austin. Over Ostadio, I'm boycotting. Uh, Falvey today, by the way, told us that uh, that uh, Ostadio he, he was walking through the uh, – clubhouse and uh early in spring training and asked uh, willens uh, where he could play and he says everywhere and uh and uh, falby said center field and he said yes and then he showed him a video of him jumping over the fence in center field to catch a ball and uh he had it on his phone to catch a ball in Venezuela. wow so, uh, <laughs> apparently there's nobody down in that clubhouse uh who's in uniform personnel or staff that hasn't seen uh, Willens catch, courtesy of Willens, who shows it to everybody on his uh, cell phone. So. Yeah, good. Uh, well, I would be showing that, too, if I was Willens. I think hey, we can get the, the bobbleheads. How about the Princeton Tigers beating Montemita in the state boys basketball tournament today, making their first appearance since 1932? What? Whoa. 19. 19- 1932, and this is with four classes. Pat, what was it like? What was it like covering that game? I missed that one. <laughs> Sydney was 12. He was probably selling newspapers out there, but uh, uh, I, I missed that one. But I, uh, the great Luther Gore, the uh, wonderful old uh, uh, sports uh, columnist from the Princeton newspaper, was at the ball game today, and uh, very, very uh, focused, uh, getting, getting. Uh, up-to-date minute phone calls from his uh, family members up there to see how the Tigers were doing. Yeah, uh, the yeah the state the state high school basketball tournament. I feel like uh, do you still want it to be just one class? Would you like to go back to it being just no, one class? No, I don't think that's feasible. But I don't know if four are necessary. It, it worked pretty well in that too, but uh, I don't know. It's, it you, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. When this thing was gigantic. Uh, the NCAA was a 24 to 26 team field, uh, and it was, uh, you know, all around the country. You know, 80% of the newspapers in the country ran it on page three of the sports section, uh, and what the scores were. And, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament was one tenth of what it is now when the, uh, when the state basketball tournament was at its zenith in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Uh, Pat, great stuff. We will talk to you tomorrow, and if you get a chance, go check out the, the first episode of the Glenn Perkins Show on our website. And let oh, us, let I'm going to listen to it later. Okay. Cool. All right, see you, Pat. Bye. That's uh, wrapping with Royce see every day Thanks, on the Pat. show. And he's hilarious. <laughs> Princeton, did he say 1932? Yes. Wow. 1932. Good for them. This is this is a sneaky basketball state. I know that the state hockey tournament gets the better. It, it's packing the house every single night. But it used to be basketball way back when, though. Southern Minnesota will probably skews a little bit more basketball. All right, we're making Joe with Rami. Any any more puns you want to throw out? Or are you good? No, I'm all out. Oh, you're good. I'm good. All right, find us on demand, and also find the Glenn Perkins Show episode one. Scorenorth.com. 
It's percolating right now. Zolgad, um, I'll talk to you later. Bye. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.